What's up, everything? It's been a brief week for the Blues coming off the All-Star break, but they found just enough time to lift our hopes on the rising tides of the Montreal Canadiens, only to dash them against the rocks of the Boston Bruins. We'll discuss both games. We'll also touch on a lot of news and notes, including some very intriguing trade rumors involving the Blues. On top of all of that, today marks the 25th anniversary of Gary Bettman being named the first commissioner of the National Hockey League, and we'll discuss his tenure. He's a sad, strange little man, and he has our pity. So without further ado, let's get started and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. It is Thursday, February 1st, somehow. And we are here, recording after the Blues have lost, unsurprisingly, <laughs> to the Boston We have finished slathering lotion on our hands because it's winter, and <laughs> our hands are terrible. Mm-hmm. And now you know. So, uh, what are you? how are you doing this evening, Ian? Fine. Just fine. Good. David Backus put a dagger in us at the end of this last game. Yes. Fittingly. Agreed. <laughs> well, you have to. It We're happens. off to a rip-roaring start on this edition, folks. Strap in. Um, yes, David Backus did score the latest conceivable empty net goal to seal the Bruins' victory over us. But really, it was sealed in the fates long before David Backus had anything to do with it. And we'll discuss that in a while, but we have a lot of news to cover before we do that. Uh, starting with the news out of Nashville this week that Mike Fisher, former Nashville Predators captain for a period, I think only one season though, um, after Shea Weber was traded, has retired or has unretired, excuse me, <laughs> from the NHL and plans to make his return to the Nashville Predators before the trade deadline so that he is eligible to play on the playoff roster. Uh, he said in a press conference announcing this that, quote, it's always kind of bugged me when guys come out of retirement. I didn't really think it was possible, or I didn't think it was a possibility. I just thought about the opportunity, how good this team is, about the run last year and what could be. I got a blessing from family and my wife. Uh, So even though it bugged him that other people did it, he apparently didn't mind doing it himself. Mm -hmm. And at the end there, he reminded us that his wife was Carrie Underwood, just in case we hadn't heard. (laughs) Uh, He also said, Carrie asked me every few days if I was going to do it. She wanted me to do it, and she's usually right. As you said earlier, she wanted this guy out of the house. She's like, baby, you haven't had any road trips for a while. Don't you want to go on one of them road trips? He was back at home. He was trying to learn how to cook. He was very he bad. He set the kitchen on fire four different times. She and just she wants wanted him gone. Him gone. <laughs> uh, what do you think about Mike Fisher returning? Uh, he had 18 goals and 24 assists last year, uh, making him a 40-point player. He's 37, I believe I read. Um, what do you think about him retiring? What does it do to the Predators? And what does it do to your soul? <laughs> <laughs> I did not think you could even come back from retire. I knew you could, but I didn't think you were allowed to come back mid-season and play. Mm-hmm. 
I personally don't think that should be allowed. I mean, not that I think Mike Fisher gives the Predators anything, really. I guess more of kind of like a character guy. I mean, he's a good player, but I don't really think he's got that much left in the tank to really help them. But I don't think it should be allowed that you can just come back on a team. You should be able to unretire. Then over the summer, you can join them at training camps and stuff, and mm-hmm. then you're back the next season. But then you can just jump in. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad they have a cutoff that it's the trade deadline, but it still seems kind of funny. Also, but that's got yeah. a lot more to do with like you know. I thought other, when yeah other acquisitions, which is weird because did we have Savoka back before the trade deadline last year? No, but he still had a contract like rewar- awarded to us. Okay, from uh, arbitration so that's weird that that got to work. But yeah, okay. all those silly NHL <laughs> loopholes. I yeah. I don't know. It's silly. I think it doesn't really bother me that much. It's just kind of weird. I mean. Mm. I would also like to unretire and be on a team that's a Stanley <laughs> Cup contender, which to me is what it feels like. You watch the team doing well again this year, and he goes, wait a second, I want to win a cup. You know what? I'm coming back. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, it grosses me out generally, which is strong, uh, but I'll say it. <laughs> uh, I just think, I don't know, I think it's ridiculous that someone, like you said, can just unretire and then be an arguably impact player for a team. And, yeah, he's not going to be, you know, I don't know, Philip Forsberg. I almost mm. said David Legwan for some <laughs> reason. Ooh, he's not going to be David Legwan, I'll tell you that much. Uh, but he was a 40-plus point player last year and their captain, so he adds character and grit mm. and all that stuff. And the idea that he just basically has just gotten to sit out all season and rest up and recuperate, and now he's got fresh legs for the playoff push is kind of gross to me. I just think sports generally have this weird like handshake agreement with retirement where it's like, oh, you can retire, but you can come back anytime <laughs> you want. And the problem with that is, it's only. It's not like he could have come back to any of the thirty teams, like or thirty-one teams. He could only. He was only going to come back to the Predators. So it is kind of an unfair advantage. And like I mentioned, I was thinking about it as a corollary to Saboka, and there is a little bit of like it was kind of strange that we got to do that last year too. So mm-hmm. I'm sort of not okay with us getting to do it either, but there is a little difference there in the sense that he left us unexpectedly and was like always part of our team sort of theoretically you know even though he Mm -hmm. left and so it's a little different but i would just kind of be okay with it not happening at all like there's a certain point where if you haven't signed a contract Mm -hmm. with a team by this point barring you being i would say like a youth call up like you're in juniors right now or college or whatever like if we called up tage thompson last year right at the end, you know, after his college season, whatever those cases, like a prospect thing's different. But if you're just like a, you know, a free agent, like there shouldn't be, to me, like a guy shouldn't be able to decide he's leaving the KHL today Mm -hmm. and come play for the Red Wings or whoever, you know. Um, That's just my take on it. I obviously am not in charge of these decisions. And I don't have, like, a personal problem with Mike Fisher other than that he helps the Predators be better. But, you know, it's just kind of a little frustrating. I'd like to use the word segue to segue us into something we didn't have planned for the show. That's a good word. I can't spell it. uh, Oh, me neither, but I'll use it. (laughs) And it's not a good segue. Um, Yamir Yager. Is done. Oh, yes, and we should have um, mentioned that, but we didn't. It only hit me because we were talking about retirement, mm-hmm. and he's, 
I don't know if he's retired before, but he's left. And yeah. then he came back. Mm-hmm. And so I was just thinking it's him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> him retiring doesn't really mean anything to me. I would guess he stays retired mm-hmm. just because he's, I mean, Mike Fisher's 37. This wasn't a retirement by choice. Yeah, this, much, you know? this is pretty much a flames mm-hmm. uh, asking him to leave the yeah. team. Um, and and a, that sounds bad, but in a very nice, you know, professional way, it was kind of like, hey, I don't know, we need a roster spot. We need space. You're kind of <laughs> clogging up our team slightly. <laughs> There's no nice professional know, way to say that, but yeah, I that's, know what you're Yeah, that's something. Across. But yeah, I don't know if he would come back. Fisher's 37 and Yager's 45. Yeah, 45. That's just, at a certain point, I'm your gl- body gives up. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Yager because I wanted to mention it. Um, there was a lot of talk earlier in the season about us, about the Blues potentially signing Yager and then him deciding to go to the Flames. And honestly, I was, and I think you went, were a little bit kind of okay with it as like a possibility, not like mm-hmm. a solution, but it'd be a cool depth add. Obviously... Uh, it wasn't in the cards for Yager to be an impact player for another season in the NHL. Um, and I wish him luck in retirement, but I do kind of hope, and that's not my place to say, but I kind of hope, I kind of wish, and it over, it looks like he's already going to the Czech League to go and play, mm-hmm. but like I kind of wish he could just stop. <laughs> because, like, and I mentioned this to you the other day when it was all being announced, it's teetering on the edge between, like, a cool journeyman like superstar who's just got enough fire in his belly to love the game and keep playing between and it's getting real close to that like Darren Aronofsky territory of like oh this guy can't hang him up you know <laughs> and he's gonna do the elbow drop off the top rope and then just be dead <laughs> at one point for those of you that haven't seen the wrestler I apologize um, <laughs> if you plan to the the window spoiler on spoiler alert. alert has kind of closed I don't think uh, he's gonna play till he's He's dead. <laughs> you, don't think, you don't think that's, that's a one-to-one take. analogy? Darn. Uh, um, but this does seem like the only way Yami Yager is going to go out. Mm-hmm. There was no way. Out, yeah. yeah, he was not going to walk down into the sunset and be like, well, see you guys later. He yeah. was always going to have to be pushed out of the game before he decided to. Yeah, and I just, I mean, I just don't want to see Yarmir Yager, and I don't have, like, a special connection mm-hmm. to him especially, you know. But I don't want to see him be a guy who's like yeah. bouncing around the check league. He's better than that. Did you know the team go he's going to? Go be somebody's coach. You know, go go. I don't know. Do something other with your career. What? Say, sorry. Oh, the check team he's going to. I believe he is a part owner of. Oh, okay. Which I so find that's very like funny. better but worse at the same <laughs> I know, time. I don't even know. Um, yeah, I just. I mean, best of luck to him. I don't wish him any ill, but I just. It's just some point. I'm like, okay, Yager, like actually retire. Mm-hmm. And the people who are out there saying, let's bring him to the Blues now. It's like, I love you all, but no. Mm-hmm. No, nah, son. He wasn't good enough to even like compete to be a flame this year. And we're better than the flames <laughs> as much as we've struggled lately. So, nah, I ain't having that. Uh, I am glad you mentioned that, though, because that was an important piece of news that we wanted to discuss. And thinking, speaking of things that I, I wouldn't say we wanted to discuss, but I guess... Have uh, to. Chron- <laughs> chronology has forced us to discuss them uh, today. Actually, literally today, February first, marks the 25th anniversary of Gary Bettman's appointment as the NHL commissioner. Uh, he was brought in on February first, 1993, from the NBA.
NBA, and he is Weird. actually the first commissioner because prior to his appointment, uh, the leaders of the NHL had been called presidents, and they decided to change the title because apparently the presidents of the NHL had been pretty feckless and useless. So they gave it a new badge, a new you know name tag, and it apparently worked. Um, I read through an article by Greg Wyshynski of ESPN, formerly the Puck Daddy, still has the Puck Soup podcast. Um, you all know who Greg Wyshynski is. I don't know why I had to establish him, but uh, he wrote an article called The Good, Bad, and Ugly of uh, Gary Bettman's Tenure, and I was going to read most of the points, but it was really long, and it's his you know, copyright, so I don't want to just read you 10 minutes of his article, but it was very good. You should go check it out. Um, and uh, some, just some of the things to mention that he's accomplished, uh, and then we'll talk about some of the blemishes. Um, basically, I think the book on Gary Bettman will read very financially successful commissioner. You know, like mm-hmm. as insofar as Gary Bettman's job is to please the owners and support them and make them more money, he's very good at his job. I mean, the league's grown. Yeah. Uh, so he took over in 1993, and at that time, NHL revenues were 732 million dollars. Uh, today, they're projected at 4.54 billion dollars for the 2017-18 season. Which, yes, some of that's inflation, but not all of it. Um, in 2003, uh, or excuse me, at the time he took over, the average player salary was $558,000. It's now $2.9 million. I saw an even higher figure from a Canadian site that was putting it in U.S. dollars, so I don't know if this was not in U.S. dollars, but I guess it was. I assume it was. I guess there were just two different statistics they were looking at. Um, in 2003, NHL franchises had an average value of $150 million, and now the average is almost $600 million, $594 million. And there are also three franchises valued at over $1 billion, which would be the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Anaheim Ducks, and the Dallas Stars. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it is the Toronto Maple Leafs, the New York Rangers, and the Montreal Canadians. If Very you, predictable. I just thought I'd throw you a curveball there. If you had to guess which one of those three is valued the highest, which would you guess? Which would I guess? Yeah. Well, I l- looked at it earlier oh, today, no, so I believe it's the Rangers. I know, but you wouldn't think <laughs> but that. But they weren't the first to become valued at a million dollars, or mm. a billion, so I don't know what jumped them. I mean, I, I, believe the Ranger, yeah. I believe the Maple Leafs crossed that threshold first in 2012, which was weird to me because they weren't good then, but I don't know if that's when their stadium opened or something. Oh, Leafs fans don't care. Um, I mean, they care, but they'll still spend money. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but yeah, why? I don't. I don't know why the Rangers are valued that much. Maybe Kevin Shattenkirk is <laughs> there you go. worth more than we bargained. Um, but in any case, those are the three teams over a billion dollars. Uh, and this this was the one that kind of floored me the most about. Um, his accomplishment when he entered the league in 1993 the expansion fee to own an nhl team was 50 million dollars uh in night in 2003 which i guess is maybe when the hurricanes and blue jackets came in around then the hurricanes hurricanes, hurricanes were expansion. Were. they were the way oh yeah, before. yeah 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 
Blue Jackets, somebody, anyway. In any case, 2003, it was $80 million. And it is expected to be, when Seattle opens its stores as an expansion team, $650 million. (laughs) So that's grown $600 million and whatever, 12 times, I guess. I'm not good at math. Is that right? Yes, that's right. (laughs) Um, And uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, but the ugly side of Gary Bettman, uh, which is kind of the the inverse of him having uh, the owner's backs, is that he has not always been credited as, as having the players or the fans' backs. Uh, he has been the commissioner over three lockouts, one in 1994, one in uh, 2004, 2005 that canceled the entire season. And then, of course, most of us who are current hockey fans are at least familiar with the one in 2012-2013, which drastically shortened the season. Um, And it's pretty apparent at the moment that another lockout is very likely to the extent that For sure. the, to the extent that players are signing bonus laden contracts so that they can get through the lockout which those poor, uh, poor also you could just manage your money <laughs> yeah, but in any case um, he uh, has a really ugly history with concussions and CTE which he's denied publicly any link which is just bonkers ridiculous at this point but he's in the midst of a lawsuit so he can't really say anything um (laughs) he has obviously is not loved by the fans uh he's received very negatively at drafts and uh the stanley cup presentation and things although some of that i think is an act on both sides that's all for fun he definitely plays it up um and he's had death threats from the likes of Chris Chelios, which I was reading for the first time <laughs> earlier today uh, during the 93-94 lockout. Chelios said some very pointed comments, very basically, basically saying if he were Gary Bettman, he'd worry about his life and his family's lives <laughs> because who knows what an angry player <laughs> or fan might do. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Uh, and so... Gary Bettman, I think, I, I actually gained respect for him while reading this, I think, because I, I don't know, respect may be a little strong, because he still comes off as like the uber sleazy yeah. businessman. I was sarcastically but shaking like, my head. No. Okay. You can have respect. <laughs> no, but just like, I think he's done a lot of great things for this league, and I think that's to be respected. Uh, but at the same time, I think there are some things he's really bungled. Um, there's maybe uh, one of the things Wyshynski, I think, closed with, closed with was just it's still a niche product. Mm-hmm. He hasn't, like, expanded it to be, like, really one of the big four sports. You know, it's a distinct step back from the other three still. I think um, that's just a hard and I think it's, sell regardless. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he could do better. Yeah, I'm sure someone yeah, no, could do it, better. For but sure. And I'm not holding that against him exclusively. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think, you know, they talk, he talked about, there's a lot of detail in that piece. If you're really interested, it's a great read. But he talked about they have a this contract with, I think it's Bell or, uh, yeah, I think it's Bell up in Canada. Rogers, maybe? Rogers, okay. yeah, excuse me. Uh, which is, like, super good for the league. 
uh, for the Canadian TV rights, but the NBC deal with the in the U.S. Mm-hmm. is really bad for the league, and so it's just a little a little hit or miss with Batman. For the most part, he's done a great job expanding the game internationally, but then he does the stuff like not getting him no, into the Olympics yeah. this time. So it's just it's kind of a tale of two Garys, I guess. It really is to kind of put it in stark relief. I I sort of dominated that conversation. So do you have anything you want to add? I was just gonna say it's always like he does something good in general it's kind of tends to be like a long-term good like mm-hmm. something slowly expanding the game but then he has really like poignant like Failures. in the moment head scratchers <laughs> yeah. yeah the no olympics i get that's kind of a league thing but he's the head of the league yeah. so you kind of look to him mm-hmm. moving the jets to arizona oh yeah arizona. i, I yeah. get it at the time that's mm-hmm. I don't know if it makes sense, but I get why they do it. But now it's just kind of this weird, I don't know, just scar on the league. Mm-hmm. It's like they have to get figure something out in Arizona. And I think he's sort of the face of that problem. Yeah. It's like, why hasn't Gary Bettman, the NHL, done something to either move Arizona somewhere else or find mm-hmm. stable ownership or get some sort of stadium made that's not out in the middle of like nowhere yeah. in Arizona. One of the things I saw mentioned a couple of times, not to interrupt you, but just to build on that is, is Canadians kind of tend to mm, hold extra mm. resentment towards him because under him, Quebec city and Winnipeg lost their teams. Although mm. Winnipeg got theirs back, but it wasn't theirs, <laughs> um, which is weird. And then uh, on top of that, Arizona in 2009 had a deal in place to have a guy buy a team and move them to Hamilton, Ontario, which would be ridiculous, Mm -hmm. to be fair. And uh, Batman put the kibosh on that, so he's unpopular up there because Canadian hockey fans, with all due respect, have a tendency to be a little... Centrist, centrist? <laughs> centrist. Is that is that polite enough? Mm, a little, a little northern right centric. Note. So, um, but yeah, I, th- I think you're right. It's just a chain of. I didn't want to cut you off, but it's just a chain of good move, bad move, good move, mm-hmm. bad move. Maybe two good moves for and all then the, two bad moves. For all know? the stuff people don't like about him, mm-hmm. I will say maybe just because he's been around since 1993. Yeah, it would feel it would feel weird without him. Yeah. Someone can replace them for sure. Mm-hmm. There can be better leadership in this league. But I, I think part of me would kind of miss Gary Bettman because there is sort of that character of he's showing up, people don't like him. I think he, I think you, I don't know if he relishes in it, but it is a lightning rod in the sense that he can kind of take the heat on himself mm-hmm. and off the league, especially a league, like you said, that isn't necessarily top four in this country needs to work on itself to be getting more popular over time and rather than have the league take heat as a whole he can kind of be like hey it's gary bettman over here doing crazy stuff Mm -hmm. and they're like oh gary and then you just kind of forget that the league does weird things like not define what goalie interference is or not send people (laughs) to the olympics that one a little fresh for yeah yeah um so it yeah i it's weird to say it but i kind of like the guy just because he is who he is. He's kind of a little character. Mm-hmm. 
he's a lawyer. If you don't know that he's a lawyer, just think of that next time you watch him talk in public. It's the most calculated, oh, yeah. just weird, like, he wrote it up the night before. Like, <laughs> Gary, how was your cereal? And he was like, it was adequate. And it was also good that you served it to me. And then he'll walk away. And we want to get more cereal for the fans. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Gary, cool. Yeah, I'd love to know what he's like. With I don't his know. wife. So I was reading an article earlier that was saying he's like a super family man and has these two poodles and like walks so them weird. every night and loves his kids and grandkids. I can't which see I'm it, not, but like, I can see it. Like casting aspersions on, he totally could be, you know. But it is kind of funny to think about, like the Gary Bettman we don't know. You yeah, know? good for you, Gary. But yeah, just to close on that before we move on, I just think it's going to continue to kind of be the like. Which actual Gary Bettman is the real Gary Bettman sort of thing, you know, mm-hmm. because um, I just think, you know, it's 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 one it's one and then it's in one, you know, like the I think he murdered like I think the murdered in a good way. The <laughs> expansion with the Knights has mm-hmm. been a mind blowing success. Yeah. But then like how is Arizona still a team? Like I don't like yeah. Everyone knows they're going to move eventually. It's inconceivable that they don't at this point. But they're still there, you know, so and they still suck. And yeah. yeah. So it's just that kind of mixture. And um, we'll see where it goes. We'll see. How, I mean, he can't be far from retirement, I wouldn't think. And um, I would just say... <laughs> It's 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 an amazing quarter century. He's mm-hmm. he's been the commissioner for a fourth of the history of the NHL. That's very impressive. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what a new commissioner means for the NHL when the time comes. I want a young like twenty five year old commissioner. Yeah, a real I'll, John Chaka, or just like bring in that guy from uh, the NBA, Adam Silver, because I want <laughs> we that just get alien their table dude. You know. Every time. Um, He's so tall and so bald that it's just amazing to watch him. Give me your alien. <laughs> um, so uh, moving on to some St. Louis blues news, uh, just kind of a couple of quick notes. Um, we have uh, waived Magnus Payarvi. Smell you later. Been, uh, that's mean. Picked up. <laughs> I'm sure he's he oh, takes showers so sorry, and everything. Magnus. He probably smells great. Um, you know how the Swedes are with the hygiene. Uh, so uh, oh, no. we are we are all over the place tonight. He was waived earlier this week, uh, bringing an end to a, a strangely long tenure with the Blues. He was brought over uh, in the David Perron deal in like 2014, I want to say, and mm-hmm. has been here ever since. Uh, so farewell to him. I do wish him well in Ottawa. I don't see him ever eclipsing about what he was here, and but that might have a, like, a better fit on a kind of more middling team, you know, or more... Yeah, he could see himself up the lineup a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. So... He had chances here. Yeah, they moved I don't him think up. I don't he, think there's any question that he got a fair shake here. I think a lot of people would wonder if he got too much of a fair shake. So. I'm glad he had that one goal last year in the playoffs against the yeah. Wild to knock him out because that kind of gave him like a Magnus PRV memory play. <laughs> the moment, it, yeah. Because if he didn't have that, it would just be failed wraparounds. Would yeah. all I'd remember and being fast. <laughs> but yes, Godspeed to Magnus. 
Yes, absolutely, and uh, I hope he does well with the Senators. Uh, the second thing to mention is that the uh, All-Star Game, which we will spend no more time than this discussing, uh, took place this past weekend in Tampa Bay, and uh, our very own captain, Alex Petrangelo, won the NHL skills competition portion for passing accuracy, mm-hmm. which they just have them try to pass to a number of targets as fast as possible, and he held off uh, the other contenders to do it, which is a cool thing, I guess. Now, <laughs> now every time I see him, like, pa- a pass get picked off or something like that, I just cross <laughs> my arms and go, oh, really? <laughs> I like it. Um, and then the, I think I've, I totally tried... I, Totally lost my train of thought. I saw someone mention on Twitter, now anyone who wants to say Petro isn't deleted anything can refer to this from now on. And I kind of like that mindset. I just oh, like, very good. we've drilled in how, how great he is, and I want us to continue drilling that <laughs> in, I guess. Um, but moving on to the more, I guess, juicy, if Ooh, totally spicy. unfounded topic of <laughs> trade rumors. Uh, we talked last week at good length about... Uh, the rumored link between the Blues and uh, Montreal Canadiens on potentially Carey Price. Uh, we've seen, I think, a lot of different sources with totally different packages and proposals um, mention links between the Blues and the Canadians, and some of them are more reliable than others. Mm-hmm. They're not all Pierre LeBrun, although I think he's mentioned it too. <laughs> um, but I think there's enough smoke there to say uh, there's definitely something, you know, mm-hmm. some, there's some, there has to be conversation going on. Whether it materializes into anything remains to be seen. We've got most of a month until we figure it out. Uh, but I definitely think something is possibly going on between uh, Doug Armstrong and that guy up there. <laughs> Give me his name. Bergevin. Bergevin. Thank you. I always want to say Peter Torelli for some reason, but he's the other guy. No, he's screwing up something else. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, we've heard different names involved there, including Price and uh, I think most realistically Max Pacioretty because mm-hmm. he's definitely on the trading block. Uh, but also Alex Galchenyuk, they're very young exciting center winger hybrid guy, which we need more center winger hybrids. So, uh, but I love Galchenyuk a lot. Um, we had an interesting question on Twitter this week from uh, Justin Horniker, our friend on Twitter at Horniker Justin, who said, if you're David Armstrong and Montreal is hard after Robert Thomas, under what circumstances do you agree to the trade? Uh, so I thought that would be kind of an interesting thing, too, because we both have been unabashed about our love for Robert Thomas. Um, so what sort of package would you have to see or what sort of things would you have to be hearing or discussing to trade Robert Thomas? And you're scrunching your nose, which is a very mm. good visual for me, but maybe not for the podcast listeners. Mm. I don't want to trade Robert Thomas, and I'm sure most people that are Blues fans also do not want to trade Robert Thomas. Every time I say this, I feel like I'm stepping him one step closer to his grave of just being terrible, 
and falling apart in this league. But I You're certainly making the trade more likely. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely think he's the best center we've said before, best center prospect we've had in a long time. So I'd mm-hmm. love to keep him. But I would put him in a package if we got Price and Pacioretty. Basically, mm-hmm. give me two of their roster players, two of their roster players that we want, mm-hmm. and I'll give you Robert Thomas, I suppose. I yeah. s- still don't want to because I uh, no, I don't. I don't want to give you Robert Thomas. That's the line. No, yeah. Give me, give me uh, someone that you're not going to give me, like a John Tavares and a trade, which I don't think is going to happen either. Anyways, for and then I'll put Robert Thomas in a package. Uh huh. But I don't want to trade him for people over older than thirty. I just yeah. don't. I yeah, don't, I don't. I don't, agree. Don't. Uh, I've seen some bonkers, like bonkers, rumors, and there there's probably nothing to this. So please don't even like be out Here there being like these guys are hacks. But just you can say that. Though. Like, well, you can say, it. <laughs> don't don't please don't do it just for this. There's plenty of evidence, <laughs> a mounting body day by day as we record. But just don't make this the only piece of evidence. Um, but just things like you know price being involved, but with like salary retention by like half salary mm-hmm. retention by the Canadians and like like you said multiple like price and patches or even price and patches mm-hmm. and Galchenyuk all in a deal I don't think with it's, salary yeah. retention. I don't think it's ridiculous in those sort of trades mm-hmm. or even without retention for any team to be asking for Robert. Oh Thomas. no everybody like, should be. my head yeah that's who you yeah. ask for him for sure. It's just as a fan it's hard. Yeah but I, I just to say like I, we talked last week we wouldn't at all do price for Thomas with his contract. Mm-hmm. But if they're retaining 50% of that whole thing, that you, becomes yeah. an entirely different conversation. you got to give up something for them to yeah. retain, what, $5 million of his $10 million contract? Per year, yeah, basically. Per year, yeah. every year yeah. for the next. I think it's five point. Two five eight years I think it's ten and a half yeah we'd so, have to break the bank man yeah and, personnel wise and I'm just saying like if I I might do that because Carey Price is a different I'd, tier yeah. of player I'd, you know I'd do that yeah. I put Robert Thomas in the thing if they're gonna give me Carey Price for what's essentially yeah. five million but even there I'd still probably want patches included at least or Galchenyuk or somebody yeah. you know give me. I mean, give me Brendan Gallagher <laughs> all day. Oh, but, you know, but like, yeah, is it weird that if they gave me Brendan Gallagher in a trade, I'd be like, you can kind of have Robert Thomas <laughs> now because I just want that feisty little guy up there. Yeah, that'd be great. Robert uh, Thomas would most certainly be part of a package. You would have to think, well, to make salary work, someone like Berglund or Saboka or Steen, you'd mm-hmm. hope an older guy was going the maybe other way. Several of them. Allen, obviously. Edmondson. If Price oh, was yeah. involved, we'd. Certainly be trading Allen. I'd say if they want a D man, maybe Edmondson mm-hmm. or something. And then Before I would, his contract. Yeah. yeah. And I would think something like a pick. Those are always hard for me to give up too because we don't have a first round uh-huh. this year. And I remember us having trading for what? Jay Bowmeister one year and then Miller the next Miller. year. Uh-huh. And so for two straight years, we didn't have a first round pick. Yeah. It kind of stinks, especially when you don't know where you're going to fall that mm-hmm. next year. But for sure. It's just interesting. Um, and then before we move on, there was... Uh, this is the better rumor. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> very casually, I kind of think. Um, Doug, or not Doug Armstrong. That would have been even bigger. <laughs> but Jeremy <laughs> Rutherford, the Boys Insider with uh, The Athletic and uh, the correspondent for 101 ESPN went on with Kevin Wheeler uh, on 101 on Tuesday. And they were just doing a regular check-in and talking about some of the options the Blues might pursue. And... Um, I keep wanting to stay Armstrong Rutherford. Um, kind of casually mentioned, like, oh, yeah, well, I was hearing a lot of talk at the All-Star game that, like, if John Tavares became available this summer, which is not really an if, uh, he's, he's certainly not, like, signing the extension before free agency, I wouldn't think, but if Tavares became available this summer, the Blues would pursue him hard, basically. You know, mm-hmm. the Blues would be very interested in bringing him in. And there's a there's a side of that coin where it's like, yeah, the Blues and 30 other NHL teams, you know. But, like, there's another part of that coin where I'm like, oh, crap, you know. And then mm-hmm. I look at it, and when you think about Stastny's $7 million coming off the books and the salary cap increasing supposedly next year, mm-hmm. just in those numbers, it's very conceivably doable to bring him in at 9 to 10 million dollars probably realistically which is gross Mm -hmm. but it's john tavares you know so uh what do you think about that scuttlebutt if you will (laughs) um just to mention uh i had it on here somewhere that uh their gm uh texted pierre lebrun uh, and just basically, yeah, Gar Snow texted Pierre Lebrun, I'm not trading John Tavares. So No one expects you to trade yeah, John Tavares. No one does. The flip side of that is there's still a month left, and they've been scuffling, so if mm. they're out of it in a month, his team might change, depending on what the offers are. But it'd be hard, for example, to not trade John Tavares if we were offering Jordan mm. Kyrou or Robert Thomas. You know, like but, If you're a fan of trade rumors or hockey drama, uh-huh. you would hope that the Islanders just plummet over the next yeah, month exactly. just because then they're going to, I'm not going to say they have to, it's but it's a lot more likely. be the talk of the town at the very least, yeah. Uh, but what do you think about Tavares in general, whether he makes sense for this team, he makes sense for any team, that's kind of a silly question. But <laughs> Let me go team by team and tell you <laughs> if he fits on their team. <laughs> um, I'd love John Tavares, like you said, the money kind of makes sense. Money's kind of there. Mm-hmm. That's twelve million freed up between Stasny leaving and the salary cap increasing by supposedly five million. Mm-hmm. We do have to tr- trade. We do have to uh, sign and probably increase the pay of uh, Joel Edmondson mm-hmm. this summer. So some of that's going to go to him. I think you have to re-sign Robbie Fabry, but that's going to be for cheap. Mm-hmm. And then you got guys like... If he's still here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, <laughs> if he's not traded. Yeah. Um, you got to re-sign guys like... Well, you don't have to, but Yask and Upshaw, Brodziak, they're just... Those are the ones I can think of. You need of. a backup goalie. Yeah, that's right. Hutton might be gone. But um, Whether it's him or somebody else. Yeah, you could... Which could just be Bennington, theoretically. Yeah, him or Huso, somebody. Allen would have to prove a lot for it to be Bennington, but... <laughs> Ooh, that'd be rough. Um... <laughs> I'd love to see the Blues go for him, yeah. but I don't see it happening. I like St. Louis. Players that play here then mm-hmm. stay here and like St. Louis, I still think it's a hard sell. Yeah, I don't know what the money up in Toronto looks like, mm-hmm. but he's a Toronto kid, and this feels exactly like a Stamkos situation where they go, look, he's either going to stay on his current team mm-hmm. or he's going to go to Toronto. Yeah. 
and I know their situation's a little different now up in Toronto, but I don't see him coming here. I don't think we're going to offer him more than, say, maybe 10 and a half, and I feel like there's going to be a team out there that's going to offer him 12 and a half, 13, yeah. or something ridiculous, and I wouldn't begrudge him for taking that no, money. No, absolutely not. I think it's a cool thing. I'm not going to put my hopes on it. Uh, I don't think Toronto's likely for a couple of reasons. The reason, one of the things is we saw Steven Stamkos very openly admit that a big part of the reason he didn't go to Toronto was taxation. Mm-hmm. That's in true. Canada, and that hasn't changed. <laughs> and, it ta- and it talked about, you know, he even talked about, I could stay here and take $8 million and make more money than I would if I went to Canada and made like 13 per year. Mm-hmm. It's an absurd, like it's a, not a, a marginal difference. It's a very significant difference. The other side of the coin is Toronto's got to start thinking about keeping Matthews and Nylander and Marner and Anderson. I think their argument is that in that case, they're starting to, they're trading one of those three. Okay. I'm probably not Matthews, but like a Marner. Or a Nylander's going. Fair enough, I guess. But then... It's it's rough, but... I don't know that that's a better situation for you. (laughs) You Well, that's that's a specific... This is the thing about Toronto where they're like the blues on heroin, you know? Where it's like, well, we've got to bring John Tavares Mm -hmm. back. He's the hometown kid. But it's like, is that good for you? I don't know. Yeah, well, despite me bringing up that team, that's getting hung up on like a specific team. Yeah, true. I guarantee you some other Western teams and take a run at them anyways, either way. I don't know who it would be. Nashville doesn't have the money, but I'm sure they'll try because <laughs> I feel like they're always trying to get someone right before we are. Mm. I know it sounds like they're in on Patriotty and stuff, and I just know he's going to end up there instead of here. I'll kill myself. <laughs> so You heard it here first. <laughs> this is, might be Steven's, one of his last shows. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Yeah, I think and that's fair. And it'll also be interesting to see if and when he gets picked up by another team mm-hmm. what we do about Stasny yeah because if we're getting Tavares Stasny's gone right, I like obviously. you Stasny but see ya um, <laughs> see ya bye but the minute, later <laughs> yeah but the minute Tavares gets signed all of a sudden we're like hey Paul <laughs> oh, Paul you've been doing so good here what are you doing don't go looking for somewhere else no 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 no, no. you got your place in Clayton yeah just hang back yeah sign for four million <laughs> please maybe five uh, yeah, I just I think the thing that I want to mention before we move on to discussing the games um, is all of this fervor around the Blues, and it's really been persistent all season. For sure, they're going after a top six forward. They're going after a top six forward. They're in on Price. They're in on Pacioretty. They're in on Hoffman. Now they're talking about Tavares. I think it it points to what i talked about earlier in the season about just sort of an attitude shift with the team and maybe there's a sense of urgency with Doug Armstrong that i like mm-hmm. because he's shown no inclination to walk out there and just get fleeced you know i don't think he's going to give up robert thomas for max pacioretty just cuz he has to have a top 6 mm-hmm. forward this year he's never done that before i'm not saying it can't happen i just don't think it will happen but if he's desperate to make that move, we've seen him make moves, big, big moves for Shattenkirk and Stewart, for Bowmeister, for Miller. Some of those worked out better than others, but like he has this history yeah. of making really incisive, decisive moves. Yeah, Shen is definitely a big one. I think to your point that actually 
might mean if we do see a trade, it uh-huh. might not be one you hear any rumor about yeah, till 24 hours before too. it happens. Yeah. All of a sudden, Brendan Gallagher's coming here, and you're yeah. like, I didn't know he was on the table because, like you said, Doug Armstrong wants somebody with term. I mean, yeah. Shen has term. I think that's he's said this like every time he's been interviewed about any sort of trade rumor that he wants someone that's here for the future. So sometimes it does make me think... Every time I hear, for example, Vander Kane, it's not happening. That's what makes me uh, iffy about patches, too. I don't know, like schmaltz for Kane or whatever. Like, not schmaltz maybe even too high, but, like, they want our fourth or fifth best B-level prospect. (laughs) And then it's like, fine, we'll add him because he's an impact player. But, like, he's not going out there and getting a rental. The only Mm -hmm. time he's been kind of burned has been by like Ryan Miller as a rental and um, other guys. He, he got that guy from Arizona that was oh, just yeah. a weird trade with the concussion thing. But yeah, I'm just excited. This is the kind of stuff that makes me feel like revved up as a blues, as any sort of sports fan is just all the speculation. I love the off season it's like as drugs. much or more than I do the regular season in any sport just because it's like, that the hope springs eternal kind of your team could be anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And if like, for example, I'm not saying there's a 5% chance if that, that it happens, but if we added John Tavares, then it's like an entire paradigm shift. Oh, yeah. I was words, walking you know? through the so, hall at work today thinking if we got John Tavares, um, we're already disappointed getting knocked out of the playoffs in the first second round. Yeah. I'm going to be disappointed if we make it to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final and lose an OT. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously it would be, but I wouldn't consider that a jump for us yeah. at all. I'm like, we got John Tavares on this team. We need to be winning the Cup. This yeah, is like agreed. not a guarantee, but it's that's And I think maybe that's the one thing you can say to a guy like that for the Blues would be like, you come here and win us a Cup you're the guy. Like even a, we love Brett Hall. <laughs> yeah. But if you bring us a cup, Brett Hall's number two, you know? Mm. And like Tarasenko yeah. is your B. He's like, mm. that's how good Tavares is. For those of you who may not be familiar, Tarasenko would be definitely the second best player on this team if we signed him. So not to pump uh, the tires on that and to get too excited. Well, yeah. I got to calm down. I'm the already point too is there's excitement in the air. And uh, before we move on, Jake Michael Webb, Jake Webb, Jake Webb, Jake Webb, 72. Uh, he we think said, that's right. He said last time that it just sounds like his name. It wasn't that he's from Quebec, which is fun, but uh, kind of disappointing. Come on, Jake. The jury's out on that. <laughs> um, but he, he said on Twitter, he asked us, I'm nervous we won't make the playoffs. Do we have to play like the number one seed we were earlier this season the rest of the way? Or, or uh, excuse me, just to make it in as a wild card? Uh, my answer is no, but also yes. I I think I think we've got we're in a good good enough position where if we keep playing like we are right now, where it's like we beat bad teams and we play good teams competitively, I think we'll stay in a wild card. Where do you think we finish? But it'll be third or fourth, and I think I mean that's my instinct. We do finish third or fourth. Um, at this point, I don't think we're catching the Jets or the Predators long term. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if either of those teams add pieces as they're both supposed to, you know, whether it's even just Fisher or whatever, unless we add a big piece, you know, or make a big trade. I don't think we need to play like the 
October team just to make the playoffs. I don't think we're in that kind of desperation mode. The flip side of the coin is if we can't play like that team, we mm-hmm. a playoff trip means nothing for us. So I don't know. You know, I'm trying to be positive and say I'm I'm be. pretty secure now. I wasn't two weeks ago, but I'm mm-hmm. pretty secure now in our ability to make the playoffs. But whether that means anything is totally up in the air for me, yeah. depending on how we play. I think we're going to make the playoffs. I think we're going to make it in the last wild card, last wild card <laughs> spot, which is a little further down mm-hmm. than you would think, because I think it's the Blues have a really rough history, mm-hmm. and I think to add to that, we're going to finish in the last wild card spot, and we're going to play the best team in the West. Oh gosh! And the best team in the West is going to be. The Golden Vegas Knights. Golden Knights. Oh, baby. And they're going to sweep us right out of the playoffs because that's how it's got to be. Oh, the brand baby. new team. Brand new team has Can got nothing to lose. The suffering yeah. already? The weird thing is I'd be like half happy mm-hmm. because the Golden Knights are like a I fun story. I can't even story. be mad if the Golden Knights beat us, you know, the same way that I would be. Like if the Blackhawks beat us, I'd be disgusted. If it's the Knights, I'm like, oh. Look at them. You know? Yeah. Look at that scrappy team beating up on us. Maybe that's a good story. Maybe this is what we want. Maybe, this well, is the best case Maybe scenario. it wakes us up at the same time. Just to look at the standings real quick, the Blues are tied with the Predators for second, technically, but somehow the Predators have played five fewer games than us still. I d- it's like inconceivable. Like, that they, is so infuriating to me. Yeah, when no, are they going to catch up? <laughs> Unless it's just like five games in the last week and they have to go into the playoffs dead tired. Cool. <laughs> That's the only, I just like it's been all season. I don't know when they got this far behind and I don't know when they're going to catch up. But in any case, um, <laughs> the Jets have played one fewer game than us and have four more points. They're leading the division right now. The Stars and Wild are a fair amount behind. The Stars are five points back and the Wild are um, one point or behind the stars. I think I'm not quite to the point that we'll finish fifth in the central and no, last I, in the wild card. I think card. in reality we finish where we are now. But like third. I think third maybe may our ceiling. Yeah. You know, in terms no, of like, I, I don't, I really don't think we're catching the wild or, or the predators Just or jets. So. Look at this team and how they've played and ask yourself if you think they're going to go on like <laughs> a run yeah. to get past those two teams and that those two teams are going to, get real cold anytime mm. soon. I just don't think it's going to happen. It mm. might, but I, probably not. I agree. Uh, so with that in the rear view, uh, let's move ahead to discussing the two games, which I think we yeah. can dispense with fairly, fairly quickly, honestly, because they weren't all that involved or detailed. Mm. Um, you were live in attendance at the game against the Canadians on Tuesday, so why don't you tell us about that one? It was a fun game. That's good because the one I get to cover wasn't. <laughs> yeah, we'll start very positively, except for the fact that for the first 17 minutes and three seconds of the first period, the Blues did not register a shot on net against the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> At home, they put shots close to the net for the first five minutes or so. They actually looked like they had a lot of pressure on the Habs, but no shots were registered. It had a defenseman in front. Hit the post, which does not count as a shot. Hit the silent net, things like that. So they didn't necessarily look bad because of that. 
There was sort of a 10 minutes in the middle there, though, when they sort of got hemmed in their own zone over and over again. Again, I don't think the Habs at that point of the game even looked all that good. I don't think the 11 shots they got on us to our zero shots mm-hmm. looked overly threatening. Yeah, it was a weird situation where I was watching that first period, and I was like, we haven't taken a shot yet, but I don't feel like we're uncompetitive Yeah, that's point. it was real weird. I ex- Yeah, you expected us to bounce back easily from that, and they did. Um Jay Bomeister of all people registered the first shot. Yeah. You would have never put money down in Vegas for that, but he did. To a Bronx cheer, which was fantastic. <laughs> the highlight of the game was this whole crowd getting super loud and cheering, seeing this older woman over to my right in the crowd kind of look around like she thought we scored or something because it was that loud. <laughs> I thought that was great. That's awesome. I was sort of thinking, what do the players think? Are they like, geez, guys, like off or they're like yeah i guess we deserve this <laughs> i'm gonna say probably the latter because yeah, they've had probably. it before um we put eight shots on goal in those like three minutes though at the very end so that was refreshing that was nice to see us all of a sudden sort of turning on at the end mm-hmm. it made me feel a lot better about the game and so yeah that and that ended the first period 11 shots for the halves eight for the blues second period blues goal was scored by ivan barbashev a wrister at 438 and it was unassisted. Barbashev recovered a bouncing puck in the neutral zone, skated into the Canadian zone to the top of the right circle, and whipped the puck past Price. That's a lot of peas. Um, that was only Barbashev's second goal of the season. Uh-huh. Which, I don't know. Seems I, off. It does I thought off. he had one or two more. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he had a lot more, but I thought he had one or two more. Maybe I'm just remembering the end of last season. It was a good goal. Uh, he said something, I believe, in a different article I read that Tarasenko was yelling at him to shoot it, which is kind of nice mm-hmm. to see. I don't know. I guess that's leadership on the ice when you <laughs> yell at your other teammate to shoot. Yeah. They seem to be doing pretty well. I thought that whole line from this game, the Stasny, Tarasenko, Barbashev line, looked really good. They were very noticeable, along with the second line, Steen, uh, Schwartz, and Shen. I, I thought mostly the whole team looked really good, actually. Uh, Jay Bomeister, Jay Bomeister included in this actually, he uh, blocked a shot by Jonathan Druin in the second period on a three-on-two, and that saved what was probably otherwise a sure goal. Carter Hutton was playing playing the shot. It was a real quick pass. He had no time to really recover, and Jay Bomeister was just sort of there. Mm-hmm. It most certainly wasn't like the most accurate block shot. It wasn't overly intentional. He was just kind of big and gangly mm-hmm. and in front of the puck. But it was a great save. I know people were on their on their feet kind of chanting Hutton. I didn't want to say anything. I was like, if you look at the replay, I never, never got to him. <laughs> so Jay Bomeister, unsung on, hero. Uh, third period came around. This uh, end of the second period was one nothing Blues. Third period came around. The Blues were on the power play. It looked terrible. <laughs> It did what not, else is new, yeah, right? I'm telling you, when you get to the power, the power play dance is sad now. I'm not really against it, but because our power play looks so bad, I just feel like no one should be dancing. Yeah. At all. We should mm-hmm. change. You know how we put Jake Allen in tonight against Boston? He changed his mask and he changed his pads because goalies are neurotic and weird. Mm-hmm. We as fans need to demand a different goal song and different dances and something to change this power play because at this point, it's I, broken. Yeah. Beyond repair. Anything could work, maybe. <laughs> but actually, we did score on this power play. Patrick Berglund scored his seventh of the season at 514, assisted by Tage Thompson and Colton Pareko. This was literally with like five seconds left in the power play. 
Thompson skated still in on the counts. right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, still power play goal. I think actually we've had a fair amount recently. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Tage Thompson shot the puck at a sort of severe angle to Carey Price's left. It sort of bounced off of him straight to Berglund, kind of emptying that goal for him to pop in. Mm-hmm. And they zoomed in on his face, and you could pretty much have him. It was just a sigh of relief. <laughs> he was so happy to probably get a goal himself and a power play goal. Uh-huh. That put the Blues up 2-0. Then Pareko later on, towards the end of the third period, got called for boarding on Paul Byron, or is it Biron? I want to say it's Biron. I I'm sure say that's how they say it, at least. Yeah, at yeah. the very least, that's how they have <laughs> said it. <laughs> so Paul Biron got thrown into Probably the board. Probably <laughs> <laughs> If you know anything about French, it's that they just don't finish yeah, their words. Exactly. That's the I know enough French to know that. That's all the French <laughs> I need. Um, Franco, I think it, w- it was most certainly wasn't intentional. He kind of shoved him in the sort of tailbone That's area. That's not what Canadians. Fans oh no, Habs fans probably lodged a police report <laughs> on Colton Franco. See if they can get him arrested down in St. Louis. This was kind of shoved to Biron's tailbone. Preco, even as he I goes in the board, and on Biron. <laughs> yeah, it's Biron. I'm gonna get Frenchier and Frenchier with this every time I say it. Just gonna say B by the yeah. end of the show. When Preco shoved him and Biron hit the boards, we're good. We're good. Yeah. We're professionals. Uh, you can kind of see Preco like sort of put we'll his see. shoulders up to his ears, like he's like winces, like ooh. <laughs> I hope you like audibly uh, said. Not on the what ice. Joe Thornton did when he killed TJ O'Shea earlier in the year. No, no. Just, ooh. <laughs> um, he went off five minutes for boarding. I, I didn't know you could go five minutes for boarding and, and not get, not a, game get a, a, yeah, a game misconduct, yeah. which was kind of odd. That's kind of how he knew he didn't get one because they just put him in the box. And I was like, didn't they just put him in the tunnel? Yeah. Um, Blues actually got a shorthanded goal <laughs> then, though. Uh, the. Habs had already pulled Carey Price. It was a six-on-four power play for them, but we got a shorthanded empty netter. What was the panic netter. level live when it was six-on-four with a two, with a five-minute major and two goal <laughs> differential? I, I think we were. I think this was what this is with almost two minutes left okay. in the period. So it was. It was pretty low, okay. but I mean internally, Mine real would have been no, like real deep high. inside. I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I I thought that I was like, "We have to get an empty netter because if they make it two one, it's, it's already over. Yeah. I'm headed for the exit." <laughs> but thankfully, Steen got a shorthanded goal. His eleventh, his eleventh goal of the season. It could be his eleventh empty net goal because he's had a billion of ninth, them. Yeah, it's ridiculous. He had a bunch. This season, and I want to say David Backus a couple of seasons ago. Mm. If people forget, he used to be a real late starter. He'd like start scoring in oh, January, yeah. and he always started off with about five empty netters. <laughs> um, this was assisted by Brodziak. It was kind of an interesting goal. He scored it from our blue line. Just kind of, I don't, I don't think, can't say he was aiming for the net. He was probably aiming for it in the sense he was just shooting it at center ice. Mm-hmm. But it was nice to see that go in. Unfortunately. The Blues were not able to keep Hutton's uh, shutout going throughout this game. Uh, Charles Houdon <laughs> scored his seventh of uh, the season or at as 18. We tweeted, Houdon puts a hurting on Hutton. <laughs> oh, there you go. See, we love alliteration yep. here. Two guys, no cup. We're all about it. 
Uh, this was assisted by Brennan Gallagher, who I think we should trade for and get. I, that's not a rumor. It's not going to happen. I just want him. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a power play goal. Six on four. I don't know if you should count that. That should be called something different than a power play goal. <laughs> uh, Blues win 3-1. Thankfully, uh, it wasn't wasn't too bad at the end there other than that little goal. I thought the Blues looked really good. I thought it was a really good team effort game. Um, I will say the one person that stuck out to me as having maybe not the best game, and that's not it wasn't terrible, was Tage Thompson only because he felt like he had Bambi legs. Mm-hmm. All game long, I would notice him. But I'm like, man, who's falling down? I'm like, oh, it's Tage Thompson. <laughs> and I mean, he was in the play. He was where he needed to be. But man, I don't know. He needs to put on some weight to have a heavier center of mass. That's not how that works. But like, that's science, folks. Just be heavy you and not heard fall it down. Look, I'm not a physics major. Um, but yeah, the whole the whole team Mr. looked really Kosky good. Didn't teach you enough back in Parkwest. <laughs> no, no, no. He didn't even know your name. <laughs> <laughs> he knew my name. It's just that he was very standoffish and didn't like to tell use people's names. Yeah, he didn't want to get too close. <laughs> yeah. I'm Welcome not, to high school confessionals with the two guys. No I'm telling podcast. you, this guy didn't use anyone's name. Yeah. Did he use your name? No. Oh, certainly not. But he didn't know mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had this very like jovial, goofy physics professor in high school, and he, he was, was very very outgoing and friendly. But he did not. Like engage with people at the same time. It'd be like, "Hey, buddy," where you want to be like, "Don't say buddy." Yeah, say my name. You know who I, I am. I come to your classroom three times a week. I'm in an after school program. With yeah, you. then you're the weird one for yelling at him for saying, "Say my name." <laughs> they throw you out of school. Not very fair. And now you know why Ian has a G. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's stats in this game. I mean, I could tell them to you, but. Do you want them? Steve, do you want the stats? <laughs> I mean, I have them in front of me. It's all up okay. to you. <laughs> the Blues were outshot by Montreal 34-31. to uh, Blues won face-offs this game, which I think has been a trend lately. I mm-hmm. think they've been doing a lot better. 59% to Montreal's 41. Both teams were one for three on the power play. Like I said, do you really, can you really count either of them as power play <laughs> goals? I mean, you can. But, but you shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't. Uh, hits twenty four to twenty three, overall a good game. But it, the huts were one to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it looked that physical, actually. Yeah, I think other than maybe a little Brandon That's Gallagher. That's when Brandon Gallagher gets a hit on you. It's, you don't even feel just, it. Hey, I want that guy. He's scrappy <laughs> and he's got a mustache. I like just me. realized he signed a six year contract for three seven five million. And the part that grossed me out the most was he signed this contract two years ago, and he's still younger than us. So gross. <laughs> and this is why they're never going to trade him. That's a great contract. They're also never going to trade for me, which is upsetting. Although I wouldn't want it to be the Canadians anyway. Would uh, you want it to be the Bruins? May- weirdly. <laughs> Over that was, the Canadians. That's a transition. Oh, I mean, oh, oh. You okay. just walked right through the door. I just, just, just beat the hell out of the You opened the door and I walked right through the wall. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, no. as Ian very adeptly pointed out, we <laughs> went from playing the Montreal Canadiens to the Boston Bruins. 
<laughs> and uh, thankfully to uh, the aforementioned Charles Houdon, uh, we were saved the embarrassment of having to start Carter Hutton after a shutout when the plan all along for reasons totally passing understanding was to start Jake Allen. They thought it'd be good to make his first start since January 9th be against the hottest team in hockey on the road in a tough away city across all sports. But his dad was there. But his dad was there, so it's better. Um, so, uh, Alan got the start, and it was kind of expected in that we sort of knew since Tuesday it was maybe the plan. It was not expected in the sense that it still didn't make any sense. <laughs> I heard Jeremy Rutherford on the radio today talking about it. doesn't make sense, but they're going to do it anyway. Uh, Jake Webb pointed out, Surely I'm not the only one who is pumped that Jakey is starting tonight. I also like how the team is handling this situation. And then he asked us, any worries from the experts on whether the team will play hard for him? Um, First, we're humbled. Thank you for calling us experts after what you've heard tonight. I mean, obviously, he didn't text it after what it's heard tonight, and he probably won't in the future, but thank you, Jake. (laughs) Secondly, they didn't play especially hard for him, uh, but I don't know that they've really been playing especially hard for Hutton. So that's, it's hit or miss. It's not a great overall feel for the team right now. Um, In this game, did you have something you wanted to say? I was going to say, you really wish they would have... I guess they did score. (laughs) For sure. I was going to say score a goal, but they did at the end. Yeah. That's just, I don't know why they don't score for Jake Allen. I'm sure it's not like them literally not scoring. They hate him him like Pangarin Federko hates him. Everyone hates him, and he's gone. He's going. I mean, maybe. He's on the train to Montreal right now. Uh, In any case, (laughs) this game really had one moment that is worth talking about at any length. And that was the very bizarre, clearly Ooh, man, illegal first goal from the Boston Bruins. A puck was shot off Allen, I don't know by who, maybe by Krejci, into the air. Uh, Allen didn't have any idea where it was and drifted to his left. It was above him the entire time. It then fell in the crease where Petrangelo knocked it kind of out of the crease, but Edmondson unintentionally knocked it back into the crease. And finally, David Krejci found it and buried it on a totally empty net. But the reason that the net was totally empty was that while all this chaos was happening with the pin, pinball puck, um, what what's it, Jake DeBrusque? Mm-hmm. Uh, which, now that we're playing Boston, we can say all the letters. <laughs> Jake DeBrusque, Jake DeBrusque. <laughs> slid through the crease right into Allen and just pushed him entirely out of the crease, away from the net, and pretty much into Philadelphia. I don't know if he was going east or west, but I'm going to say Philadelphia. Um, And I think another uh, Montreal, or another Boston player was there kind of pushing him too. I don't know if it was Krejci or Pasternak or who, but whoever it was, Jake was clearly pushed wide of the net, clearly, by a person who was clearly not tripped or shoved into Allen in any way. I'm not saying it was intentional. I'm just saying what I saw happen and what you saw happen mm-hmm. and what Darren Pang and John Kelly saw happen and what Chris Kerber and Kelly Chase saw happen <laughs> and what John Vuchagross saw happen, even though he's a Boston fan. Um Ooh. The Blues immediately and unhesitatingly called for a review on goaltender interference. 
Um, Peng and Kelly on our broadcast on the TV broadcast were both saying it must be goaltender interference. You said Chase and uh, um, Kerber were even more insistent because you weren't yeah. quite over yet in time to see it. They said it had to be, and I mean I trust them. And so of course it was not. <laughs> um, the NHL ruled that it was a good goal. They later explained basically that they had determined that Allen didn't make enough of an effort to get back to the net, which I thought was like the whole point of goaltender interference is that you couldn't, but I guess even the officials are against Jake Allen's mental recovery. Did they want to see him when he got pushed out? They wanted to see him like try and plow through two Bruins players. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess they wanted to, yeah. Isn't that like weird? It's 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 absurd. It's it's laughable. I mean, this is one of the worst calls I've ever seen. That's the idea that this isn't goaltender interference. Just don't have it. Just don't have. Just let people just friggin' tackle. That sounds like they're telling you. I this was a penalty, or this was a this was goaltender interference for sure. Yeah, but you didn't. You didn't make me believe it, Jake. You didn't act like it was yeah, exactly. goaltender interference, which like, they pretty much James, said. If James Neal had been our goalie, this would have been called oh. goaltender interference. Oh. He would have either been like poking DeBrusque in the eye <laughs> and like climbing over him, or he would have been like climbing out of the stands because he'd somehow flipped in. <laughs> it would have been Act so like clear. he was shot yeah. off of the grassy knoll. Exactly. <laughs> but because Jake Allen's very... Uh, calm and peaceful and uh, temperate. I'm, <laughs> these are more weather terms than goalie Non-humid. terms. But, um, <laughs> uh, he was. It was not called in his favor. And even Darren Pang and Bernie Federko were both weirdly kind of blaming him, saying, "Well, he needs to make he need." Pang's thing was like he needs to argue with the ref more passionately. And because apparently he'd never met Jake Allen before. And Federko's thing was like, he needs to recover more quickly or slide less or whatever. I don't know. I just like the way they covered this goal. I'm like, if we can't give Jake Allen this one, I just don't think there's any trust in him at all. Yeah. Uh, They were interviewing Jake Allen after the game about it. (laughs) And he, a very monotone because he's Jake Allen was talking about. He said, "I don't know. I got to watch the replay, but I was almost to the trapezoid line on the other side, so I don't think I had a chance to be honest. You know, it's the way the game is. You get some of those calls and some you don't. And then they actually played the replay for him to watch, and he said, "Well, it's pretty obvious right there. You know, I haven't seen it yet, which he was watching it right there. So <laughs> what that meant. But, but unless I'm supposed to have a ten foot stick, I don't think I make that." I mean, this was just this was a, a horribly botched call. I don't know what goaltender interference is. This would be getting as much coverage as the NFL catch rule if the mm-hmm. NHL was anywhere near the NFL in scope. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's just the same thing where, like, sometimes it's a thing, sometimes it's not a thing. Sometimes if you're pushed, it doesn't count. Sometimes mm-hmm. if you're pushed, it does count. So, I mean, it's just, it's all over the board. I don't know what the rule is. I don't, because I would have said, and even the experts were saying, this is cut and dry, no question, goaltender interference. And then they said it wasn't pretty quickly. They mm-hmm. didn't even debate it that long. They've debated offsides calls longer than Way this longer. to overturn them. So I just, I, I'm lost. Do well, you have anything to add to this? Well, Kerber, Chris Kerber on the radio said, there was like, 
10 seconds of silence <laughs> after they called it a good goal. Which I'd like to imagine wasn't silence. It was just Chase swearing <laughs> and then bleeping it <laughs> with silence. It was, it was like 10 seconds of that. And then Kerber, I mean, I've, I like listening to the radio because they kind of, they're a little more adamant or mm-hmm. colorful than our TV guys, which I understand, was saying like that this, this needs to be a Toronto replay. Mm. They'll do that. Um, for certain other calls, I think if it's like OT or, you know, the whole game is on the line for that mm-hmm. one thing, kind of like in the NFL when it's like under two minutes or something. Yeah. But right now it's up to the refs. And he pretty, I mean, he pretty much said, and the refs just don't know what the rule is. They don't know what to call. And they can't be, he said they can't be trusted to call it accurately. So you got five or six guys in the war room in Toronto that you throw this to every time they know the rule would be mm. the idea and they see it I don't know all the time you know a couple times a week mm. they're used to it they get to make the call rather than it be like Wes McCauley and then somebody else the next game and then this guy thinks well it needs to be a push and this ref thinks well any contact really is goalie interference I've seen stuff where a player unintentionally like it's shoved into the goalie and as trying to get his footing and like steps on the goalie's pad mm-hmm. and it goes in and the goalie still had plenty of time to stop it and that's goalie interference. Yeah. And it's like, well, that can't be that. Yeah, like absolutely. They need a rule. I don't know what it is. I don't know what your guideline is. At a certain point, do you just say if you touch the goalie, it's interference? Mm-hmm. If you exert a for- if you exert a force on a goalie. Yeah. If you're in the blue paint and he has same, to push I mean, your way out, I don't similar know. Similar to the catch rule, it's the same thing. It's like everybody knows when they're watching football what a mm-hmm. catch is or isn't, like 98% of the time. Yeah. yeah. And they can't just say, we'll let the referees call this with their gut, you know. And that's the thing with the Toronto thing. I don't, I don't know what the rule is. I don't know what the rule should be. The benefit of having five or six guys calling it in Toronto is that the rule's consistent. Mm-hmm, and exactly. if, if this isn't a goal, if this isn't a goal here, the same play happens in Dallas against the Maple Leafs four weeks from now, and it's not, or it is, isn't a goal there, you know. Or if it is a goal here, it is a goal there. We've seen, you know, we've seen people play patty cake with the goalie relative to this and mm-hmm. get a called goaltender er- interference. Whereas this guy's slide tackle, I mean, this would have been a red card <laughs> in a premier league match and it's not even goaltender interference in this. I don't, I just, it's, I'm at a loss and we've gone on long enough about it, but I'd it, say, was, uh, it was bonkers. They need to fix it. This is another thing. Bettman's not to bring it back to him or blame him, but this is a thing that like, he really needs to rally the troops mm. and be like, let's just get this in freaking Toronto yeah. and fix this. And during the All-Star break, I think we was even asked about that by a couple of different media members. Mm. And they said, oh, we're kind of, I don't know if they're redesigning, but we're trying to get everyone on the same page. And I know it, we just got off the All-Star break, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't seem like they are yet. So <laughs> Super not already. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Whatever we could talk about it ad nauseum. To be fair, and I'm yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, for all we said about this and like shouldn't have been a goal. I still am, can't rest this loss on that. Oh, no, 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 I wouldn't either. Yeah. We didn't, we got outplayed, but um, and we certainly didn't get creative enough in the offensive zone. 
It's just, I mean, it. You yeah. know, the the only the only argument is you can never know the mental effect that. Oh yeah, no, it's a had. butterfly effect for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't I don't want to say sit here and say we got screwed. We definitely got screwed out of that <laughs> goal, but yeah. it d- didn't necessarily cost us the game. Uh, we finished the first period with twenty seven shot attempts to the Bruins fourteen, so we were out attempting them like two to one. Uh, but they'd had the long goal. There was no scoring in the second period. Um, I mean, it was, I don't know, it was like nothing hockey for a lot of it. I don't feel like the awful, yeah, they didn't look bad. They're certainly not the team that they were in December, in late December, when they were just god awful playing like Mm -hmm. the Panthers or whoever, um, which was the last Jake Allen start, (laughs) but they're not the same team that they were in October by a long stretch either. You, know? you could paint this as a loss. That's a lot like you. It's a good team you played mm-hmm. and we didn't look particularly great, but mm-hmm. I can't say we just dogged it. Yeah, I agree. Um, the third period did see a couple of goals. Patrice Bergeron scored kind of the... No, no, no. Patrice Bergeron. Bergeron. Excuse me. Yes. Patrice Bergeron. Oh, <laughs> um, sacre bleu. <laughs> Uh, oh boy, uh, <laughs> Bergeron scored uh, the kind of the dagger goal for, uh, or in terms of winning the game, it was the dagger goal. In terms of emotional impact, the dagger <laughs> goal will be coming later. But he scored the dagger goal in terms of winning the game with a just very straightforward power play goal that I'm sure lots of teams score. We don't. Um, but, uh, That's a good way to put a it. Very one-timery pass from Pasternak that he put over Allen. Nothing Allen can do on this one. Although I'm sure someone out there is blaming him. Um, we continued to play mediocre hockey. We got a power play. We didn't look particularly good on the power play as Adenia Chara came out of the box and tried to murder Alex Petrangelo from behind, which should also be a penalty, but wasn't. I mean, it should, I don't think this was a rule. I just think blind checks from behind shouldn't be allowed, even in open ice, but apparently they are. Um, finally, we did somehow get a goal from Jaden Schwartz, uh, his first since returning, his 15th of the season, uh, assisted by Shin and Tarasenko. This was a really nice play. We were in the zone for a long time. Tarasenko got the puck on the point and kind of passed it like through the slot via Shin, redirecting it to Shin, who redirected it behind Rask. It was a pretty goal, but it was just kind of a too little, too late situation. And then at the very end of the game, and I mean the very end of the game, I wrote down the official time as 19 minutes, 59.6 seconds. <laughs> David, David Baccarat. <laughs> David Baccarat. <laughs> I was trying to call him David Bergeron. I honest to God was. <laughs> and it became Baccarat. Uh Bert Bacharach scored the game-winning goal against us on the empty netter. Former captain David Backus skating down the ice past the exhausted Blues has to put it in with .4 seconds left because screw you, St. Louis. We didn't rescue enough puppies for that man. No siree. He had to bury us after, I'm sure, feeding the team a lovely dinner last night. There was also a fracas in the middle of the third where he was heavily involved in punching on people and shoving people and Tarasenko was cross-checking him and it was a whole big thing. So I guess there's no love lost for David Backus. <laughs> he didn't fight Vince Dunn, though. Wakey, wakey, Backus. Uh-huh. Wakey, wakey. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't do that. He didn't target our uh, our rookie and just try to obliterate him. So maybe he's growing. Maybe he's learning. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it, like you said, it 
the story of this game in one sense is the goal. Um, credit to Jake Allen for stopping 40, uh, doing the math, 43 shots mm-hmm. and having a save percentage of a lot. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, save percentage of .956, uh, 43 saves on 44 shots. Uh, only one even strength goal. I mean, that's very, very good return to the ice for him. And you could very much say that the one even strength goal he allowed wasn't his fault. Um, no, not at all. And the power play goal wasn't his fault. I mean, there's nothing he can do about that. He played a really good game, and I decided in my infinite wisdom this morning, I said that I need a goalie to get me at least a good save percentage, uh-huh. not necessarily a win. In fantasy, so I didn't start him. <laughs> Boo on me. This is what I get. Uh, but in any case, maybe that's the secret. Maybe you just can't start him anymore. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's the highlight here is Alan came back and looked strong in his mm. new mask. There were still times where I was like, oh, he's not reacting as quick as he could be. But yeah. he was making all the saves he had to. Um, had new mask and new pads, like you mentioned offhand, because goalies are crazy. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> The new mask kind of meh about. It's got a snake on I it, mean, which is cool. There's a lot of muted colors, which is too, less cool. Too goldy yeah. for me. Yeah, too gold. for sure. Uh, but And it's not that real glittery, sparkly gold like on the back of Hutton's where you're oh, like, what yeah. the hell is that thing? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, 46 to 33 shots. Face-offs, we won 51%. Uh, 37 hits to 30 by the Blues, 19 blocks to 14, but we had 14 giveaways, and we just weren't playing especially well. We weren't playing bad, but if you're going to go into Boston and beat Boston, you're going to have to play really good hockey, and we weren't ready to play really good hockey tonight, so we lost. And as I was going to say, the story of this game is definitely the interference call in terms of, like, it's the big storyline, but I think we lose this game regardless. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not trying to cast a dour note. We won three in a row. You can't win every tough road mm-hmm. game. But I don't think we looked good enough where we were just, like, totally robbed. Do you have anything else you wanted to add to that one? The dad's trip is on oh, yes. one. This is it's the first loss, loss ever or four in and dad's one. trip history. Uh, so thanks, Dan Bowmeister. Dan Bowmeister. <laughs> I'm sure John Tarasenko <laughs> and other generic. Dan Bowmeister is real. I remember there was one other one where I was like, no, oh, uh, Alan's dad. Dad's name is like Bob Allen <laughs> or something. I don't remember. Bob Evans. They're all very white generic semi-Canadian names because they're all very white generic semi-Canadian <laughs> people. It's just the truth. Um, so before we move, before we close for the night, I wanted to mention a tweet of the week, which I thought of during the show because we didn't have one written down. Uh, and that's just a tribute to uh, Bell and the Bell Let's Talk oh, campaign. Uh, they do annually, I think. Bell is mm-hmm. what, a communications company? Yeah, I believe it's uh, like their AT&T sort yeah, of thing. I don't know if it's the same as what was Southwestern Bell once upon a time, but it could be. Look, we're ignorant of some we're Canadian very things. Yankees. Many apologies. Very uh, But in any case, uh, they do their Bell's, Bell Let's Talk campaign, which is a social media campaign to... Uh, use the hashtag Bell Let's Talk uh, to spread awareness about mental illness and mental health disorders and just generally spread positive vibes mm-hmm. about mental health. We tweeted about it, and apparently so did 138,333,995 wow. other people. Uh, they pledged to donate, a, you know, whatever, 
And it was like five, five cents, cents or whatever for every interaction. Yeah. And they ended up uh, raising $6.919 million wow. for mental health. And that's just good for them. You know, I mean, it's it's got a little bit of just good publicity for the company. We know these things, why these things happen, but not to pour uh, cold water on that. It's an awesome thing they do. Uh, a lot of hockey always gets involved pretty heavily with mm-hmm. it. I know all, all the Canadian teams, especially, were tweeting about it. Justin Trudeau, the prime minister, was tweeting about it. So it's just awesome. You know, we are not mental health experts by any means, but I have some friends who are counselors, and it's serious stuff. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you said it really nicely on Twitter. I don't remember your exact yeah quote it's just yeah it's a very important topic and it's mm -hmm. one of those things that uh i don't know transcends sports or really just a lot of a lot of things it's part of life it's part of what people deal with Mm -hmm. um it's one of those i don't know platitudes or things you would like to hope you live by every day and that's hard to do but just know sometimes when you're talking with someone they might be going through something real hard yeah and that's I don't know why they act the way they act Absolutely. or what, why their day is the way it's been. And so mm-hmm. it's just something I always think when this stuff comes around, it's just a way to kind of reach out to people that might be a little too timid mm-hmm. or a little too scared to be talking about it themselves. Yeah. And it's something, it's something that has a stigma about mm-hmm. talking about it. And I think it's slowly going away. But I think especially um, maybe even in sports, it's just one of those things where it's hard. It's, yeah. Sports is, you're tough. You're supposed Especially to tough it out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, hockey is such a quiet sport. Mm-hmm. It's such a, you keep to yourself, you're a tight-knit locker room. Everyone's a white male. <laughs> you're all. You're pretty much a cookie-cutter person. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, people deal with different things, and I think it's good to know that others are too. I think, mm-hmm. I guess, just to end, I think you'd be surprised um, how many people deal with this sorts of this sort of thing because they just don't talk about it. And yeah. if you reach out to someone, you might be surprised that they share a lot in common with you mm-hmm. in terms of that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, if you're out there dealing with mental health issues or just, you know, depression, anything along those lines, reach out to people yourself. Yeah, don't be afraid to sure. talk about it. Um, reach out to us if you want. I have a lot of friends who are counselors because I went to a school with a dynamite counseling program, so I can point you to people if you need it. I mean, it's just something that we need to kill the stigma about and have it just be, you know, no more different, no different to ask for a recommendation for a counselor than for a general practitioner, you know. Yeah. We all, every single person has some degree of mental health or unhealth, you know, it's a, it's, as much a part of life as your kidneys or your lungs or your heart. Yeah. So I think counseling is good, just like period. Mm-hmm. It's I, wonderful. Yeah, I it's think amazing. like it sounds weird to say, but sometimes you're not really the expert on your own life. Yeah. Not that you need tons of people telling you what to do, but you just, sometimes you're just so clouded and stuff that it's mm-hmm. nice to talk to a third party that has no, has no investment in what you're doing. And they can kind of talk to you like, hey, have, have you thought about this and this way? And you'd be surprised when you think, no, I never, ever did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's an amazing, it's amazing stuff. I've just, I'm really passionate about it. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so not to, not to dwell on that for too long. And we're not trying to end it on a sad note, because I think it's a good thing that this campaign is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we definitely wanted to shout out their efforts. So uh, with that 
done and dusted. <laughs> uh, we will see you next week. I think we'll be recording Friday next yeah, week because we'll be at the game on Thursday. Yeah, I think we're going to have a couple Fridays actually yeah. coming up here in a row. Um, so we'll keep you posted. There will be some cool stuff coming up. Um, the trade deadline. Trade Ooh. deadline, yeah. We're going to probably have some special episodes coming up too and uh, maybe an appearance on another podcast. We'll... We'll let you know. We'll keep you posted on that. Look at that delightful cliffhanger. Well, <laughs> thanks for it's this American life. Thanks. To, <laughs> <laughs> we will be appearing on every on the Puck Soup podcast <laughs> and Steve Dangle simultaneously. We're that big, folks. Uh, thanks for tuning in and making us however big we actually are. <laughs> uh, we love you all. Have a great night. Au revoir. Goodbye. Ooh.